Hey guys, it's Jose here. Uh, you may have noticed that we've been a little inconsistent with our posting or that it's been a while since another episode was posted, and I just thought I'd take a second before the show starts to maybe offer some explanation. So this episode is a couple of weeks late. Uh, we recorded this back before Thanksgiving, but uh, unfortunately I have just been super slammed with a ton of stuff, one of those things being a production on a little short film that I wrote and directed, and I'm super excited to share with you guys uh, here soon. So, uh, and to Mason's credit, he did offer to help, um, but, you know, I wanted to take on all the <laughs> all the work. Anyway, after this episode, we are going to be back on our usual um, re- uh, release schedule, and yeah, we'll be back with the stories you love, We'll be back with the laughs and the charisma that you can't find anywhere else. So thank you for sticking with us through this. Enjoy this episode about the mysterious little town of Portlock or Port Chatham, Alaska, and we will come at you pretty soon. Enjoy, and um, I don't really have a catchphrase, so I'm not sure what to say here. Uh, maybe I'll just end it with... <laughs> you guys will get that once you listen to the episode. Okay. Bye. Have either of you experienced any blackouts, blackout, stretches of time that you can't account for? Star date 11-21-2021. Isn't that kind of fun? Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Captain's Log. This is your captain speaking, Jose Valle Jr., joined virtually by my trusted co-host and first officer, Mason Schrader. Mason, how have you been? How are things in I'm, Iowa? I'm doing, I'm, you know, I, there's a, there's a sliminess in the air. Oh. You know, there's like a more just than like, usual. I'm, more than I'm just I'm feeling liquidy. You know, like I'm going mm. with the fl- like I'm I'm slipping okay. and I'm sliding through okay. life right now. That's how I'm doing. Is oh, I'm that's like great to hear. like it's like I'm lubed up and and life is lubed up and we're just lube we're just two lubed up objects just slithering past each other through each other in between each other. I liked it until that point, but hey, man, mm-hmm. I'm 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 glad you're doing all right. Yeah. Uh, for our video watchers, uh, or for our audio listeners who who aren't our video watchers, Mason's wearing some very fun glasses. So well, you're all missing out on that. They match my sweater. They do. They're red. Do. It's a red, it's red. tint. Sure. Uh, well, Mason, today is a, a special day uh, because in get order to get... Together. What was that? Huh? I just said because we get to be together. Well, yeah, that's all. Yeah, of course. It's, it's always, always a special, special day when yeah. we get to be together. It's also special because in order to get to the subject of our episode, you need to take a boat. So for today, our titles will be more fitting. We will be captain and first mate of the SS Spooky. 
thought I was the first <laughs> officer. First officer, I feel like it's always referred to as first mate on a boat, is it not? All right. I don't know. I'm it's the same boat. shit. I'm not it's a the same guy. thing. I live in a landlocked state, and I have for my entire life. I what do you do. think I know about boats? I, I don't do know jack shit now. about boats. Honestly, constantly people are like, yeah, you know how the beach? And I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, you know how hey, California you, has pal. a coast? Don't you call me that. That's what I say whenever, <laughs> whenever somebody asks me about a beach. Don't talk about my mother that way. And you're like, yeah. Like, I don't, what? Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> That's that's my boat noise. It's Mason, it's me, kind of, Jose. You're oh. on the dock, and I'm signaling at you. Mason, up here. Hi. <laughs> cool. Come on, come cool on up. Cool boat. And then I'm like, and then you, and then it's it's that classic reveal where you. It seems like I'm on a big boat, and then that big boat moves, and I'm on like a little dinghy, like a little uh. dirty boat. <laughs> I was going to say, where did you get this boat from? It's got a lot of fish blood on it. Just get on it. Don't worry about it. it seems crusty. Also, I don't really know how to sail, so uh, we're going to have to figure this out. Is this a sailboat? I don't know I don't the difference. I don't think sailboats I don't know the have difference. those horns. Those horns Mason, you just made? Mason, look at me. I don't know the difference. <laughs> well, I just have. I just, I found this really nice sweater. I, I was going to say, I guess I thought dressing like a dock worker my whole life would make me know something about boats, but it hasn't, so. Well, fuck. Well, anyway, today, Mason, we will be taking an in-depth look into the mystery of the Alaskan ghost town of Port Chatham. I kept pronouncing it Chatham as it I was like doing my research. That's what I thought, right? As I was doing my research, I kept pronouncing it as Chatham. Like, I would read aloud to myself, and I was like, yeah, Port Chatham. And then mm-hmm. every video I watched was like, Port Chatham. Port Chatham. Mm. Port Chatham. And I'm like... Port Chatham. Port Chatham. Or Port Chatham. Chatham. Chatham, yeah. Anyway. This is a ghost town that, according to legend, was abandoned overnight after a series of disappearances, murders, and other strange happenings. Our main source will be the book Abandoned, The History and Horror of Port Chatham, Alaska, by Larry Baxter a retired police officer who, fun, funnily enough, Mason, he's got a nickname of, and this is on the book, Larry Beans Baxter. All right. So Yeah, because that's who I want solving my crimes. So, I, cool. He seems like a cool guy, and he seems very, you know, somewhat trustworthy as you can be on these topics. But I was just like an interesting choice to include your nickname of Beans. Um... In a book that you publish. Anyway, anyway, yeah, Lieutenant Beans found the woman's torso uh, in the river. Um, it appears that two of the legs had washed up down shore. I'm sorry, who found it? Uh, so, so. Lieutenant, um, well, his name is Larry, but we call him Lieutenant Beans because one time down at the station he ate, he ate beans for lunch and then he just like farted all day. So now we call him Beans. Yeah, you're so be anyway, demoted. so the head of the the head of the victim was found with its jaw unhinged, almost snake like, and that was shoved into a storm drain. Um, and then beans, what he said mm, is, okay. um, yeah, huh? I'm sorry, did you have a question? I just I don't like. Can you just call him like Officer Baxter or? Yes, I, I'm sorry. That that makes. Here's a quick sense. question. Yeah, in the report, you didn't write beans, did you? 
Oh, no. Uh, I won't be taking any more questions at this time. Um, anyway, Offer Beans Baxter found the found no. the bloody, the dismembered <laughs> genitalia of the victim <laughs> about 30 yards up Can from the shoreline. Can you imagine that? Like the, like the, ty- like the uh, lower thirds of like a serious documentary about like, yeah, like a serial killing and it's like... And it's like, and this is the man that finally tracked down the serial killer. And it's like, you know, I found him in the middle Hi of Hi, guys, a- my name's B. <laughs> no, he's just like a well-put-together guy. And he's like, yeah, I found him in the middle of a of a sling. And it just says Larry Beans Baxter. <laughs> As he's, he's like, like smoking t- a cigarette, just like. Harrowing dis- like discussion of murder and rape. And he's just beans. The things I saw in that house. Just Larry Beans Baxter. In every day. Police detective slash food enthusiast. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, I'm sure he's a great guy. Sounds like a fun guy. We will also be using the 2009 Homer Tribune interview of Melania Kell, among other sources, which can be found in our show notes. A bit of clarification up top. The story is often attached to two names, Portlock and Port Chatham. In my research, it seems that there is no clear distinction between the two, and they are used interchangeably. It seems the official name of the town was Port Chatham, and Portlock was used to refer to the cannery or the bay. But again, it's used interchangeably. But we will be referring to the town as Port Chatham. Now, are you ready to set sail, Mason? Let me let me hoist let me hoist the sails. I'm. I'm, I'm reeling in the anchor. Anchor's away. I feel away. like I'm doing a lot of the manual labor. It seems like you're just kind of standing at the steering. You know what? It's fine. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm jibbing the hooks. I'm hooking the jibs. I've got my pants off. My butt cheeks. Yeah, I are, honestly really my, wish you'd. My butt cheeks are trembling in the wind. I don't know why you made us both take our pants off and do this Winnie the Pooh style, but honestly, the <laughs> this salt is water, how it stings a little bit. Mason. This is how real captains do it. Uh, Listen, I told you that I would defer to you as the expert on sailing, but this doesn't seem right. I just, I I want the visual of like a a Wes Anderson, uh, like like a Steve Zizou follow-up, but everyone on the crew just doesn't wear pants. I'm just imagining, yeah, you, but like the camera like starts between like just underneath your butt and it's like zooming out into this grandiose (laughs) shot. Ghost towns are not an unusual thing within the history of the United States. They often spring up around the discovery of a new valuable resource. And when the resources are exhausted, the town's prosperity is too, and people move on to greener pastures in search of the next thing that will provide. But the curious thing about Port Chatham is that the resources were never exhausted. To this day, it remains a resource-rich area. So then... What caused its population to abandon this prosperous community? Before we jump ahead to that, let's paint a picture of the area and its history in a little segment I like to call Mr. Valle's Geography Class. Yay. Yay. Is it geography if you're just going to tell us the history of the town? Maybe it's social studies. Maybe it's social studies. Either way, I'm not looking forward to this. <laughs> I'm, I'm the teacher that likes to act cool. So I'm like, you know, I'm doing the jokes with you guys, but I don't understand the lingo. So yeah. I'm like doing a thing where I'm like, in class, this lecture is about to be Liddy AF. Because you know how you guys say that? 
Hey, you're not going to do another parody song this time, right? <laughs> no. And I just clearly <laughs> close the just... window on my computer. <laughs> oh, I, I feel so a, bad because I sometimes... push aside a costume that was like peeking out from behind my desk. You know, sometimes teachers put a lot of effort they into do. getting their kids engaged. And yeah, I like I, I, I worked. It. I worked as a as a teaching assistant, as our listeners know, for the like the past uh, for last year, and it was a, a very interesting peek behind the curtain. I'll say that. <laughs> I just imagine every every teacher's um, uh, teacher's lounge is just like like constantly people with like guns in it their kind head of and was like, it and was like literally like, just we, like shaking we, like, it was literally ah! like, and screaming we and would then walk they just in like for, walk out and they're yeah. just like straight face like, we would walk fine. in for lunch and then we'd all look at each other and just like <sighs> and then you know we'd be in despair for 30 minutes and then we'd be like time to go back out there and it was literally like i'd put my hand my hand on the door handle and I'd have just a, a look of like weariness and tiredness on my face, and then I'd open the door and I'd be like, <laughs> "Hey, kids!" Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the world's smallest violin for all those <laughs> fat cat teachers out there raking in the dough, taking summers off, overpaid, what underworked. I gotta be, man. It's still wild to me that like I, I never, I was, I've always been this type of person to talk like that, to make mm-hmm. like those over jokes, and I still think it's wild that sometimes people are like, I just thought you were a terrible human being, and I'm like, like what? when no. I first met you, yes, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, it happens so much, and Cheyenne's like, you gotta fucking stop, and I'm like, you're just Why? very, I'm very good, good at it. I'm like very clearly, but to be de- fair. Like, it, it shouldn't, I, I misjudged you because that's what everyone says about me too. Is they're like, well, I thought you genuinely were a fucking asshole. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, that's good, good to know. I thought no, you were I'm genuinely doing, a piece of shit. I'm just doing a bit I'm forever. I'm just doing a bit for the fun it, forever. It, it never ends. It started when I was young and as a defense mechanism. And now here we are. <laughs> Port Chatham sits on the Kenai Peninsula. The Kenai Peninsula is named after the Kenai Sea tribe. I hope I pronounced that right. It is made up of 150 miles of mountain ranges, glaciers, ice fields, boreal forests, marshes, tundras, lakes, and coastline beaches. The Kenai Wildlife Refuge is 1.92 million acres of unprotected land, some of which can only be reached by airplane or boat, and much of it has not been explored. There are also large areas of the peninsula that are privately owned by tribes and corporations, although I would argue you shouldn't refer to it as privately owned by tribes. I would say rightfully owned because it's their land. Anyway. Well, Jose, speaking on behalf of corporate interests, let me just say there was a little song I once, there was a little ditty I once heard called, This land is your land, this land is my land. So is it fair? Is it fair, Jose, to say that? That they rightfully own it, or is it fair to say that maybe we both own it? Maybe we do a joint owning of this land. No, I think it's fair to say that they rightfully own it. Well, I have a piece of paper that says otherwise. So. Nice. <laughs> fuck you, nerd. The peninsula's whole population numbers only 58,000. The most populated city is Kalifornski. With a population of 8,487. It's a very funny name. California. It is very funny. It sounds like a Russian person who was like, yeah, I'm from Kalifornsky. Yeah, you like know? they wanted like to say California. To do- yeah. yeah. 
Um, making it smaller than both Mason and I's hometowns. So just realize, Mason, that it could be a lot worse. See, I disagree with that. I think it could be – I think we're stuck in this middle hell of suburbia. I'd rather yeah. either live on this such a – Oh, no, that's the thing. Like- if it was – if I lived in a town that had the population of my hometown but was more, like, sparsely, yeah. like, more spread out, I would love that. If I lived in, like, a fringe tiny town in Alaska or, like, oh, a weird God. lighthouse type – Alaska so – oh, man. Uh, town in Maine, that would be great. Instead, I just live in a shit-dicked town in the middle of Iowa. The only way I it's can describe... It's not romantic, it's just the dying. Only, the only way I can describe Oskaloosa, Oskaloosa is like, you walk into gray, you know? It always felt like that. And I know that it wasn't gray all the time. I think time. gray is a little unfair because gray is sad. It's more beige. It's more beige. Like, feelings don't exist Right, because I, I literally, in my memories, when I think back of... Oskaloosa. It all has like a beige industrial tint. And I'm yeah. like, it wasn't like that. There were very sunny days, but I don't. Anyway. Yeah, no, this is feels... a, the color. Of my walls here are green. <laughs> <laughs> it just, this is just how it looks. Oil was discovered on the peninsula in 1957, which brought many people out there as it often does. In 2015, two brown bears were killed that weighed 974 and 880 pounds each. So one was 974, one was 880. Uh, after the hide, head, and some of the meat was removed. So they actually probably weighed even more. So oh, wow. that just shows that large animals can be sustained by the land on the Kenai Peninsula, which is something to keep in mind. Now let's talk about the history of Port Chatham. Can we? I've been dying to. Yes. Although many native tribes have lived on or around the area long before the white man came round, in 1786... You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome, by the way. <laughs> hey, no need to thank us. Anyway, <laughs> let's get that fucking oil up and out of there, huh? Come on. <laughs> in 1786, Royal Navy Captain Nathaniel Portlock came across the area and wrote in his journals of how impressed he was with the number of natural resources the area boasted. God, can you imagine these assholes coming back at that time and seeing these beautiful untouched areas and just just have the little money sign <laughs> yeah. eyes? You know what Ka-ching! I mean? It's, yes, yeah. it's just like fucking... Uh, <laughs> what can I say but... Ka-ching. What can I say From but... From the beautiful gold-filled mountains to the beautiful oil-filled fields, I just... Ka-ching. What can I boinga, say boinga, but... Wowza. <laughs> There's oil in them hills. One of the men today did a wolf whistle? <laughs> like he turned into... His face turned into a wolf and he went... Oh! <laughs> and when he saw some silver <laughs> in a hill. So... Pretty, pretty <laughs> exciting. Another one Captain of the men... <laughs> Nathaniel Another one of the men at, at, at dinner, when told of the prospect of gold, we could see his thoughts of money bags floating around his head. It was the strangest thing I ever encountered. A literal thought bubble appeared by his head, and it was a picture of him, and then a plus sign, <laughs> and then a picture of a mountain, and then an equal sign, and then it was cartoonish bags of money. 
wild how rich we're gonna be off of this. Oh, anyway, place. yeah, we're gonna fuck all these natives the fuck out of here. <sighs> In seventeen ninety one, English explorer George Vancouver came through and mapped the bay. He named it after one of his ships, the HMS Chatham. The area was also at this time frequented by Russians who came to the area in search of otter and other furs as well as shelter in the bay during the storms. Despite all this... Wild. That is wild. What? I don't know. I keep forgetting that there is that you can walk, that you can technically walk to, yeah. from Russia to Alaska. That, that it's you, wild. Yeah, yeah. It's wild. That's a thing. So, despite all this, a permanent settlement would not be established until the 20th century when in the early 1900s, an American company bought a f- brought a fleet of fishing vessels to take advantage of the fishing opportunities. The company then went on to build a cannery and staffed it with local Aleut natives. Coal and chromite mines were also eventually established, and soon a community was born. Several sawmills and logging operations sprang up over the years in the area, and it seems that this was the main driving source of the town's economy. That's right, boys. We're building a town on fucking the earth. Everybody get in. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally the little the little uh, guy from uh, the Lorax. It's like, let it die. Let it die. <laughs> the town boasted a store. There's coal in the mountains and Catham in the ground. <laughs> There's wood for chopping and fish to opposite of drowned. <laughs> Very good, Mason. It was a little shaky. For on the spot, the yeah. yeah. The town boasted a store, a school that went to 8th grade, and Whoa. a pool hall. Seeing its success, the U.S. government commissioned a post office to be built in Port Chatham, which at, nowadays we think, oh, well, there's like post offices everywhere. But at the time, that was not the case. Like, you had to be... It had to be an investment, really, for the U.S. Postal Service oh. to want to build. So, so the, only somebody who's somebody gets a post. Office. Yeah. So the U. The U.S. government saw that this town, they you know, they believed in this town's continuation, and so they commissioned a, a post office. So it's kind of a big deal, Mason. It seems that from the start, Port Chatham was plagued with mystery. In 1905, after the cannery had been staffed, many what of the native canning fish. Yeah. Okay. It was canned fish. It's lit- Is this literally the town from um, the Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Awesome. It seems like it. Except a little prettier, I guess. In 1905... Well, not, not anymore. Well, yeah. Well, no, we'll get to it. In 1905, oh. shortly after the cannery had been staffed, many of the native workers walked off the job and refused to return, stating that something in the woods was stalking them. The company decided to bring in armed men to protect the workers, and the workers soon returned. Okay, we hear you. What if we bring Ted? Ted's got a gun. Hello. I've got a gun. <laughs> hey, I'm Ted. <laughs> awesome. Well, okay, no cool, more complaints yeah. then. Awesome. Yeah, we'll come All back. right, everybody back to work then. Amazing. Um, Ted, good work. <laughs> but strange occurrences and unexplained encounters continued for the people of Port Chatham. In 1923, Chatham resident 17-year-old Sergius Moonen and his girlfriend were walking out to, the, to check the fish traps when they were suddenly stopped in their tracks by the sound of a piercing, ear-splitting whistling that grew more and more intense until their ears were ringing. Sergius's girlfriend insisted I think that it's they... Sergii. Sergius. 
<laughs> his girlfriend insisted that they head back, and so they did, terrified. A anyway, I got my name because I pulled my pants down and showed him my butt. And ever since then, they've called me Sergius Moonen. <laughs> That's very good. A week later... <laughs> I don't need your fucking pity. <laughs> All right. A week later, Sergius and his girlfriend were out for another walk, this time toward a creek. Not much they, to do. No, there's not much to do in this town, right? Walk? It's a lot of people just walking, which sounds beautiful. It sounds great, honestly. Um, Betty, they, you ever think we could get out of here and maybe walk somewhere where there's people and buildings? Oh, you mean like Port Graham? Like the next town over? No. No, what's that silly name? You know, the name that kind of sounds like Californensky, but it's Californsky? like not that. Yeah, it's like that, but the, the sillier version of that name. If they've got a town there. Yeah, that's it. Wild. Oh, I don't know. That sounds crazy. Maybe the big city of Sacramento or Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa. Uh, Sacramento's, yeah, maybe at the time it wasn't that big. Nowadays it is. I don't know, Jose. What the fuck? You want to, you want to fact check my joke, you fucking nerd? <laughs> so, a week later, Sergius and his girlfriend were out for another walk, this time toward a creek when they clearly heard someone walking on the beach. They looked toward the source of the noise and were shocked by what they saw. They claimed to have seen a large, hairy, bipedal creature with, curiously enough, a club in its hands. Sergius's girlfriend wanted to scream, but Sergius quietly or quickly quieted her down. Shut the fuck up, bitch! You shut up! You uh, shut uh, the fuck up! Uh, well, now I'm afraid of you. Shut up! Uh, it was me. I was the creature they saw. Ah! <laughs> uh, I just had a club. I don't know. It's not that scary. It's not that scary. He just sounded like they saw a hairy guy with football. a club. Her playing baseball. What football? Wow. Wow, 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 you're a fucking nerd, Jose. Jesus Christ. Wow, okay. Uh, So. Playing football, (laughs) you know, with the bat. I don't know. I don't fucking know basketball, whatever it is. I read it. I read about sports in a book once. You know, the one with Babe, uh, God, what's his name? Babe Bryant, is that it? Kobe Ruth? I don't know. (laughs) Baby Ruth is a candy bar. Oh, that's right, yeah. (laughs) I know that. It seems that this strange creature had not noticed them, so they waited until it was out of sight and ran back to their home, where Sergius's parents quickly dismissed the tale. Before we go any further, I'd like to offer an explanation for this strange beast, as it will show up more than once in the tale of Port Chatham, Alaska. The concept of a large, hairy bipedal creature is probably not something new to most of our listeners. Most Americans are well aware of the legend of Sasquatch or Bigfoot. But curiously enough, many tribes in the Alaskan wilderness have their own stories of wild, hairy, man-like beasts that predate any mention of Bigfoot by hundreds of years. For the native people around Port Chatham, it seems that this beast is known as the Nantinok. The translation of this word depends on who you ask. Some say it translates to giant, hairy thing, while others claim it means half man half beast and others pretty good naming yeah and others state that there is no english translation for it at all the denaina people who also occupied the areas uh, on the kenine peninsula had a similar entity called nantina which translates to the ones who steal us which that's fucking 
That's pretty fucking dope, That's right? Metal. I That's like a that good. a lot. That's a good album name. The Ones Who Steal Us? Yeah. Yeah, that is, huh? Oh, it's also a good probably just band name, too. Yeah. The Nantinok seems to be a very dangerous entity in all versions of the tales. There is no definitive physical description of the Nantinok. Most descriptions just describe it as a big, hairy man. Sometimes the hair color is described as being black, other times a cinnamon reddish color or white slash gray. Moving on with our story, we come to the tale of Andrew Kamluck, who was found dead in 1931. Andrew was a logger who had been out working in the mountains on his lonesome after having lost much of his crew. They had given him a variety of excuses, but it was clear that they were afraid to be in the woods after hearing the tales of the Nantinak. It had started innocently enough. The men would set their things down off to the side while they worked, and when they would go to get them, they would be missing. They blamed each other at first, but it soon became clear that something in the woods was taking them. So the blame was then placed on bears or other woodland creatures. That is, until they began to discover logging chains broken. A bear axe. stole my axe. Well, like it was like their lunch, right? They would go up and they'd set their lunch off to the side or like their jackets or something. And then turn around and they'd be gone. There'd be like a bear with like a jacket. That's what doesn't fit. It'd be, it'd be, but they'd look like and it'd be a bear with, with like a little ripped. hat and he'd be like, Hey there, I just took your picnic basket. You know, I was just imagining bear. it was much more like, but like, but like realistic. So it was like an, you know, a, ma- a bear right, with like sorry. a coat that was like ripped. Hey there. And then just like eating a sandwich. I'm Yogi Bear. That's, is that more realistic? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yogi Bear, a famous baseball player. I don't know. Is, is that it? who you're talking about? I don't sure. know. Sure. Who, who's Yogi Bear? You don't know. <sighs> you're talking about the baseball player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll file this under the same as our uh, Billie Eilish. The kid <laughs> they so they 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 placed the blame on bears and other woodland creatures until they began to discover logging chains broken and axe handles split like a toothpick and so on. Andrew believed that someone was simply trying to run them off so that they could take over the area, but his partners did not agree. They believed they were being stalked by the Nantinok. Andrew had been taking a break from his work, and when he returned to the log he was cutting, he found that his axe was gone. He was sure it had been there just a second ago. He was sick of this and couldn't afford to lose more materials, so he set about looking for it. Frustrated, he screamed out to whatever had taken it, cursing them. That's when he heard the vocalizations. Two loud whoops had been emitted from the woods. Whoop whoop! When he spun around... That's the sound of the police? Ah! Ah! When he... When he spun... Man died, Mason. When he spun around, it's Andrew... like 90% of this podcast is people died, Jose. Listen, get over it. We're fucking over 50 episodes in at this point. When he spun around, Andrew caught a glimpse of a black shape darting between two trees. Soon, he began to... I we're not... Uh, we're, at, we're, at, we're 48 episodes in. I just said we're over 50. We're mm-hmm. not even... We are 50 over 50, yet. technically, if you include the lost uh, logs. Well, good. Soon, he began to hear knocking noises all around him. He then heard what sounded like voices conversing in the darkness of the woods, but it was a language that he could not understand. It was at this point that he decided to turn around and leave. I gotta get the fuck out of here, is what he said. 
But he could, uh, as he was running toward the game trail, he saw a rock fly right in front of him. It stopped him in his tracks. He looked in the direction of where the rock had been thrown and saw a large shadow staring back at him. He fell back. When he looked up again, it was gone. But now in the middle of the path was another one. This one seemed to be gray and more massive than the one before it. It held the log skitter in one hand, and Andrew thought of his wife and child in his last moments. Andrew Kamluck was found dead in the woods after being beaten over the head with a force that no human could create. His blood was found on a nearby log skitter, but his body was ten feet away, seemingly eliminating the possibility that he had fallen and hid his head on it. That's cool. Who? How did we find this story? We'll get into this. We'll get into oh, that. Good. Okay. Yeah, we'll get into that. There is a story similar to Andrew's of an old prospector who was attacked after his mule disappeared, and he went looking for her only to see her being pulled into the woods at an incredible speed. He heard the noise of it being killed, and then he was never found. In the 1940s, Tom Larson was living up in Port Chatham in a small cabin. One morning, he set out to check on his fishing traps. When he rounded the bend of the trail, he saw a bear standing over his fish trap. Tom had found his fishing trap raided by bears several times, but he had never actually caught one in the act. He had become so complacent that he had left his rifle back at home. He was about to turn back to get it when he noticed something peculiar about this bear. It had a little hat. <laughs> hey there. <laughs> the bear... Looks like you forgot your gun. <laughs> I'm going to kill be you. Bad for you. The bear was holding the fish trap up with one paw and reaching in with the other to pull the fish out. Tom noticed this bear did not have claws or a snout, but instead was grasping the fish much like a person would. Tom sat and watched in astonishment as the creature lifted the fish up to its mouth and began to chew on it, eating it bones and all. He I quickly mean, that's not that crazy for a bear, right? Right, but what's what's so far what's interesting is it's got fingers, clearly. It's got a hand, and it I doesn't have a snout. Full of shit. <laughs> he quickly realized that this must be the hairy man the natives were always talking about and decided he could finally prove it to be real if he shot it and recovered the body. He literally went, ka-ching, and he saw the money, <laughs> the money signs in his eyes. He quietly turned back to his cabin and grabbed his rifle. He came back and saw the creature was still there. Tom raised his rifle and took a couple of steps towards the creature who didn't seem to hear him over the sound of the stream. But when he pulled the hammer of the rifle, the click seemed to grab its attention. It quickly fixed his eyes on Tom and his firearm. Tom began to squeeze the trigger, but stopped as he noticed the creature's face. He could see the sadness in its eyes. It had such human emotion on its face that Tom couldn't bring himself to kill it. He moved his finger off the trigger and slowly began to move back until he was out of sight and went back to his cabin. For the rest of his life, Tom was not able to explain why he didn't take the shot that day. I just... I just, when it turned, it had the most glorious, massive, hairy tits I'd ever seen in my life. What? And I just knew, and I just, I said tits. It had the tits of the, it was the best tits I'd ever seen. 
And I just Tom. that when I got one full face of those glorious, glorious, luscious, creamy bosoms, I could do nothing but think of all the times in my life that I'd been deprived of the beauty of this world. Tom. And I couldn't do it. Huh? What? What's going on? Were you... Did you want to fuck the Nantanak? I will tell you this. I will tell you this right here and right now that what I would do to that Nantanak is I would not fuck it, sir. No, I would make glorious, sweet, passionate love to that Nantanak. I would hold that Nantanak's hand to completion. I've been thinking that. It was the most beautiful... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, attractive. Right. Yeah, thing. Listen, I, I've been thinking that maybe we shouldn't we shouldn't hang out with Tom anymore. He's kind of. What are y'all whispering about over there? I was just. Uh, what'd you say? I was just talking about. It's down south. Oh yeah, yeah tell us tell I us more even, about it. Tell us I about a Terry pussy. Got. All right. Well, don't talk about it like that. That's a little disrespectful, don't you think? Yeah, I just think living out in that cabin. It's made him crazy. Been living by himself, he wants to fuck a Bigfoot. You know, that's what he's talking about. Little feet. What? Crazy. It oh, had really? little feet. That's huh. crazy, right? Okay, so he doesn't want to fuck a Bigfoot. He wants to fuck a little foot. But, like, it's still, you know, it's, it's weird, right? That his first thought is, like, I want to fuck it when he sees it. Isn't that kind of weird? Well, I better head out. I got a long night of sitting next to the river by candlelight ahead of me. Just hoping... That that thing comes back and, you know, uh-oh, it found old Tom sitting by the river and his pants aren't on no more. And what's it going to do? I, I let Tom what's it gonna some do? of my waders. I don't when think I want it back. Yeah, I think I'm gonna... Hey, Tom, Tom, you know how you, you borrow what? those waders from me? Yeah. Yeah, you could just keep those. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure that there's things on them that I don't want to clean well, off. Well, they did get wet inside. I know that you know how they're not supposed to, because they're waiters. They're supposed to keep you dry. Well, these are wet on the inside. Specifically one place. It's the crotch. Good night, Tom. You have good a good night. night. I'll be by the river. Yeah, we got to watch out for that guy. we got to watch out for him. Oh, I'm still here. What are you talking about? Oh, nothing. You. Okay. You have a good... Hopefully you see the nod tonight. <laughs> I will in my dreams. All right, I'm yeah, gone. That now. guy's lost it. Yeah, that guy's fucking crazy. I forgot my code. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is where things turn deadly, Mason. (laughs) One day, while hunting a a moose, a hunting party came across a large, human-like set of footprints that seemed to be over 18 inches long. It's about the size of my penis. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Very (laughs) good. They realized it's about the size of your penis, huh? Eighteen inches. Take a take. Is that it? Yeah. Take oh, a, no. You know, give take, or take a few. Give or take a few. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They realized cool. that whatever <laughs> that whatever they belonged to was also hunting this moose. They followed the tracks and came across a site of a death struggle. You know what a death struggle is, right? Uh, hey, I've seen. Like. I see it every morning. Hey, every day I wake up. That's a death struggle. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> <sighs> with grass padded down and blood all about the place. That's the my moose bedroom. Tracks. Every morning. That's Jesus what I'm Christ, saying. what are you doing? Blood all over the place? <laughs> and grass. Where's Cheyenne? Is Cheyenne huh? alive? Let me talk to Cheyenne. She left. 
She's gone. I'm going to shoot her me. a text. I just gonna, I she left me, sure Jose. That, oh, she won't oh, respond Mason. to my text anymore. Oh, no, Mason. Well, now it's just sad. I think I preferred it when I thought that you murdered her. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. I don't want Cheyenne to ever <laughs> listen to me say She that. doesn't. Don't worry. Oh, you're right, I guess. I, I'll leave it in there. <laughs> so... They find grass padded down and blood all about the place, much like your bedroom in the morning. The moose tracks stopped there, but the large footprints continued further into the woods. So the party wisely decided to turn back. A wise choice, it seems, because not too long after them, a group of workers from the cannery decided to head out into the woods to hunt doll sheep and bears. <laughs> they never returned. What an interesting mix, right? They never returned, and their uh, bodies were never the found. the softest things, the least deadly things, or maybe the most deadly things. <laughs> one I of those two. One of those two. It's either we, we get a thing and we're fine, or we all fucking die trying to get the other one. So I mean, I like, I mean, you never really go out hunting for bears, but because we are naturally bear bait... They do come at us a lot, so you kind of hunt bear every time you're hunting, regardless of where you're out there. That's why we brought Tom. He's our mate. Hi. (laughs) I'm Tom. You're cool with that, right, Tom? Yeah. All right, buddy. Yeah, he has no idea. Am I a different Tom than the one that wanted to fuck the thing? I don't know. Are you? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) We'll find out on next week's episode of... Well, so... (laughs) <laughs> they never returned and their bodies were oh Jesus Christ there she is she's I, alive she's Thank okay God. or she's a ghost oh she's a ghost oh my God she's a ghost <laughs> they never returned and their bodies were never found well not explicitly because after a particularly rainy season bodies were found near dogfish lagoon that seemed to have been washed down by the rain. Many believed that these were the bodies of the hunters, but they were so badly mutilated that they could not be sure. It was quickly determined, however, that these men were not killed by bears, as the the marks were not consistent with other bear attacks. This seemed a much more violent and gruesome killing than anything they knew. Shortly after this, the townsfolk began to talk about abandoning the town. It seems Hey, we were I was just we were just having a meeting the other day and we were just thinking like what if we all left? Yeah. You know, I was just saying like what if all of us like we le- we all left Why? together. Cuz like think about like how good of a prank that would be. That'd be pretty be, funny. Like, to just we're just gone. I'd be know? pretty funny. It's like there was a town here and now there's not a town here. That'd be pretty... Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Fuck it. No, let's do get, it. They send, like, a, someone gets a letter, and it's like, error 404, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's not a reference I get yet, but... I don't get funny, that, but no, I feel like that's going to be funny in a couple of years. It will. It'll be really funny. It will. Cool. Yeah, let's do I've it. I've been getting into cryptocurrency lately. <laughs> I don't get that. I don't understand that. Even anyway, in today's it's world. it's an NFT. Oh, no. It's different. You don't understand. Man, I went into like a rabbit hole of NFTs the other day. Yeah, I still don't really get them. I don't really get them, but I think it's stupid. Seems dumb. Please write in and tell us why I'm dumb. (laughs) 
Shortly after this, the townsfolk began to talk about abandoning the town. It seems that the disappearances and murders were now in the double digits. And so, by 1950, the only resident left in the town was the postman, who had to wait for the post office to be shut down. Can you fucking imagine that? Just one day you come out and you're like, hello? Um, Jose, I can tell you this 100%, 100% lack of irony that my fucking dream job uh-huh. is, is to, be, to a postman? be the postman of a small abandoned Alaskan town whose only job is to wait for other the government to re- realize it's abandoned. Oh, God, I, that would be so amazing. That's all I fucking want. I hope that happens, want. buddy. That's all I want. I mean, I guess it'd be kind of difficult because I need, like, groceries and stuff. But still. Just live off the land. I don't know if I have the skills. Or they're dropping. They're probably doing, like, a you know, they're dropping supplies every month or whatever. Hopefully. Yeah. That's why I want to be a lighthouse keeper. I just, yeah. I want to go crazy. I want I would, a job I just want to be a ranger. that drives me to madness. I'd love to be, a, like, a national park ranger, just me and my dog for, like, a summer out in a cabin mm. somewhere. My job is to just, like, track animals or, like. Live out there? I don't know. I don't really understand the job. I was gonna say it seems like you may don't fully understand. Well, I read about like you know I I read I went on their website or whatever and looked for internships and one of them was like yeah you're just in charge of like keeping track of the animal population. I'm like I don't know how you would do that, but sure I'll do it. You seem more like to put it into cop show terms. You're like the Garcia. You're like the computer lad. You know that they're like camper. I can't have over a hundred nights of camping to my name. I have you know I I I had to do it. For my uh, Eagle Scout, I fully believe uh, it. I'm just saying so. that no, that you you your vibe is like the type that they're like going through like a a field or something, and then they like radio you, and you're like they're like I need this information, and you're like one second. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah, it's this. Yeah, and they're like okay, and they're like thanks, Jose. Yeah, um, I would also love that one of those cat one of those ranger hats. Mm. Yeah. Do you pull one of those off? Yeah. Okay. I have a wide brimmed hat. I can pull it off. I think. Okay. No one has I told just, me if otherwise. You th- if you if you think you can pull that off, I think that's great. I think we could both pull them off. I yeah, I think I could pull it off for sure because you I don't look, think I could pull it off. I look very good in any hat. That's a real thing with me. Is like I just look good in hats. You saying I don't look good in hats? No, I'm not saying you don't look good in hats. I'm just saying that like that's a a, a, a that's a, a ranger hat is a that's a bold hat, and I don't I just don't know. And I just was th- I was just wondering if you could you thought you could. Wow, I just saying like I don't know. It's your own friends that want to bury you. You know. I listen. I think sometimes tough love is important, and in this I can pull moment, them off. Fuck you. Okay, sure. If you think you can, look at my everybody. Go look at my Instagram. I have a picture of me with a wide brimmed hat on. The picture for the the start of this podcast is me with a wide brimmed hat. Tell me I can't pull it off. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying if you think you can, that's great. I can't. I can't. I, that's great then. Anyway. Anyway. The postman he spoke about his time alone in the town, saying that in those final days, he was haunted by screams and other unexplained noises coming from the woods and even began to see a woman in black who sat on the cliffs with a pale, cold face. Mwah. Amazing. What is that? That. Oh. 
that's what I want my mm. life to be. A slow descent into going crazy isolated somewhere. That's all I want, Jose. It seems it's a simple life of isolation where it's like I hear screams at night and now there's suddenly there's a lady and every day she's a little bit closer to me. Would you break into other people's houses? Yeah. I would, right? I'd totally yeah. just be like, Jack What's in off here? in their bedrooms and shit. Let's see how these assholes lived. Yeah. God, what a dream. Um, it seems that this specter was seen by many town folk in the final days. After 1950, Chatham sat abandoned for many years until in 1968 when a goat hunter was in the area and reported that he was chased down by a creature, a large bipedal creature. Then, in 1973, three hunters were forced to take shelter in Dogfish Bay Lagoon after a three-day storm. They had been out there hunting goats and bears. After dinner, they had turned in for the night. They had left the fire burning and cleaned the pots and pans so as not to attract bears. Sometime around 2 a.m., one of the hunters, Ed, was awoken by another, Dennis, who said he had heard footsteps outside of the tent. Do you but, think... Do you yeah. think... Do you think they all had their own tent, but then, but then, uh, Ed was awoken by Dennis, like, like holding him, like cuddling him in his tent. He's like, "Fuck, what the fuck?" And he's like, <laughs> "I heard footsteps, so I came into your tent." I'm sure that's exactly how it went down. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and then there was a third guy, and he peeks up over Dennis, hey, and he's like, "Keep hey, it down, I'm trying to sleep." What are y'all doing over in Dennis's tent? Can, Can I, I come, come in? No, I'm coming in. You know how you yeah. know how tents unzip. You guys I, are cuddling without me. I don't like how you guys had a slumber party. It seems exclusionary. This is just like the time you told me I couldn't wear that hat. Oh. <laughs> so I made it about us. Very good. It's me, you, and Nick. Um, <laughs> I said he can wear the hat. That's Nick. It's Nick yeah. saying it. Uh, so so Dennis said he heard footsteps outside the tent. But they were not of an animal, but something on two legs. They both sat and listened. And Ed said Maybe it Maybe like a horse who got into an accident. I, th- I think there's a deer out there and it's standing on two legs pretending to be a man. It might be an amputee. Oh my God, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, maybe check your privilege. A oh, labelist. fuck, I'm, I'm the problem. Yeah, we should have done different voices. Yeah, you're right. They are barely, barely different. <laughs> okay, then, chap. They both sat and listened, and Ed said it continued until whatever it was had half-circled the tent and then gone away. They had been sitting there with their rifles in hand, and when they finally got the courage to go out and see what it was, they found nothing. No tracks, no signs, nothing. During the 1980s, there was also a number of US UFO sightings near the area that were witnessed by many locals in Kachemek Bay. You know, I just want to circle back real quick to... Yes, sir. I think that was a little unfair, the way that you read that, because it, it sounded really spooky for a second until... But if you read it like that, like, to be like, and when they left their tent, they found no tracks, nothing. But if you read it like, yeah, but then they left their tent and they found nothing, like, no tracks, nothing... Still sounds Suddenly spooky to me. Suddenly it's less spooky and it's more like maybe there wasn't It's almost like it's a deliberate choice, that. Mason. It's almost like it's a deliberate choice. I, I'm just saying like I've gone camping too and I've woken up in the middle of the night and been like, ah, oh, shit, that's some weird sounds out there. And then I wake up and I'm like, wow, it doesn't look like there was anything. I don't be like, oh, there was nothing. I do. Okay, well. 
A man who chose to remain anonymous also told a story of an encounter he had while working as a paramedic. So, they had received a call about a man in his 70s who was having a heart attack. After they had gotten him stabilized and were transporting him to a nearby hospital, the two began to talk about hunting. He told the man of having hunted around Dogfish Bay, and at which point the old man sat up, grabbed the front of his shirt, and asked him, Did it bother you? The man says that with this question, the hair stood up on the back of his neck and he answered yes. The old you man fell from heaven? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the um, old man then just asked... trying to pick him up. The old man then asked him... Did you see it? The paramedic then told him... No. Did you see it? The old man relaxed and said... Maybe did you see it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I did. Oh, sorry. Anyway. No, but my brother seen it. It chased him. The author, Larry Baxter, also connected his own investigations with a crew of other like-minded Hello, individuals. it's me, Beans. Remember me from yeah, the beginning of the episode? I'm back. I'm, uh, one of which was filmed for a TV show, and you can read about his experiences uh, in the book. I won't give them away here, but what I will bring up is this very interesting statement that the author makes towards the end of the book. Welcome back to Busted by Beans, the only TV show where Lieutenant Beans directly busts these criminals. You got beans busted. <laughs> you got beans. Beans. You know, it's got like the ladies like doing the Oh, yeah, like the, like, like the late 70s, yeah. like Charlie Bronson yeah. kind of show, but it's beans. Beans. Yeah. He's a man with a... I don't know. I don't have anything. Yeah. Cut that out. I thought I was going to be able to ad-lib a song. <laughs> Cut that and I wasn't out. able to. Cut that out. So this is what he said at the end of the book. I often wonder the similarities between Port Chatham and Skinwalker Ranch because of their similar histories and multiple types of activities, from sightings of Bigfoot-like creatures to strange, unidentified craft flying in the sky. Both have certainly had their share of strange activity. In the book Hunt for the Skinwalker by Colm Keller and George Knapp, the new owners of the ranch are warned by the previous owners, don't do any digging on the property. When I learned about the mines in Port Chatham, my mind could not help but to draw a parallel between Port Chatham and Skinwalker Ranch. Lieutenant Larry Beans Baxter. Baxter. Here's, and, and I want to end it with, with this last quote. Um, from him uh, that I think is a very just a very a very good way to end this discussion this is straight from the book uh, Abandoned the History and Horror of Port Chatham, Alaska so he says we may never know if any of the hidden cryptid denizens of Port Chatham exist physically in imagination or some other intangible or interdimensional form but one thing is for certain the trepidation and fear they inspire is very real. It's Larry Beans Baxter. So, that's kind of the history of Port Chatham. I'd like to open it to a quick discussion, Mason. What do you uh, make of all that? Before I get into clarifications, what do you make of that? Uh, it's very interesting. I it is a real town. Visit it's a real town. town. It really was abandoned. But is there um, something there now, then? or No, just little buildings. There's not much, right? And so it's still an abandoned, like, no one ever came back and built a thing there or anything? No. That's weird. Still abandoned. And um, we'll get into it in clarifications, but, um, yeah, you know. There. 
I want to live there real bad. I believe in, I guess the question is, do you believe in Bigfoot or Sasquatches? <sighs> it's okay. You can say yes or no. I mean, I want to. Okay. I want to believe. You want to believe. But it's just kind of wild that that, I don't know, people keep saying, you know, things about like that forest is big, but it's not that big. It's pretty big. We're doing like large scott. Yeah, but it's like so is the world, and we've pretty much got that shit on lock. See, but I just, it's okay. Again, it's okay to have different opinions. No, it's okay. But I disagree. I think there's still so much of the world that we haven't explored. Um, I just, but I believe in Bigfoot. I don't believe in it to be, you know, there's various different schools of thought as to what it could be. Um, I don't believe in like the interdimensional explanation or the alien explanation that they're like, he's an alien. He's from another dimension. He hops in between dimensions or whatever. I believe in it more of like a biological species kind of thing. You think there's just a, you just think there's a, there's a, there's like a one last bastion of a stinky ape man species running around? Yeah, I think, I think it's, uh, you know, some sort of North American ape. Um, uh, maybe a, a sort of missing link between us and the apes. Um, I believe there's a theory that says that there was a there was a great ape during the Ice Age called Giganthropothesis. It was this huge bipedal ape. Right? I heard he was just pretty good. <laughs> anyway, um, so it's it's real, right? We know it exists. And we have bones of it and whatever. And there's a theory though that because they were they were uh, around in Russia, there's a theory that they maybe migrated over when. They, Russia and Alaska were connected by the glaciers, and then they migrated down to Canada, North and you know North America, or whatever, and evolved to be what we think of as Bigfoot. That's what I believe. I believe Sasquatch is a species of some cryptid just, creature. Don't you right? think it's crazy we've never found one? I do, and then I don't because, and we talked about this a little bit um, in the Greys episode. We, you know, there like the, I always bring up the example of the coelacanth. For years, it was like people were like, it's, it's around, and then they couldn't find it, and then they eventually did, right? Or the, even the giant squid. I think Bigfoot is more tricky because it's such a big phenomenon or, or thing that is so well-known by people that I think a lot of it is just made of bullshit hooey, you know? Well, but I just – so, like, my thing is, like, how would it – how would – if if it was, like, a, just a species of ape that existed there, how would their numbers be kept so down – Without having any like natural predators, mm-hmm. right? They're if right. Uh, they would yeah, have to know. explode in population to the point that they couldn't be kept a secret unless they're sentient enough to hide. Keep. But then it's like, why would they hide? I don't. You don't know. think they right? saw pants and were like, "I want some." I want some of that. You don't think they saw Shaq's shoes and were like, "Those would fit me." Maybe. Um, I also uh, beans. It talks about in his book this phenomenon that's often referred to as the curse of Bigfoot, which I do disagree with, uh, which is this very convenient way of explaining why we don't have clear um, media evidence of him that usually says that when you know people go to record it, their cameras fail or batteries die. Well, actually, I, I this has been talked about in other podcasts I listen to. Um, well, I don't believe in his kind of. He he talked about an example where they they did end up catching this thing on thermal, but they didn't get as clear of a shot as he had seen before he started recording because he kind of was like, right. they didn't I get saw any this actual thing. evidence. Because if there was any actual evidence, 
we know about it. So he was like, I saw this thing. I passed the camera. They saw this thing. When it got back to me, I was like, oh, shit, I should record. I hit record. We saw it, but it was already kind of moving away. And I was like, see, that's crazy because I would have hit record the minute I saw something. Or I would have been rolling the whole fucking time. That's just me, though. Right, yeah. and that's kind of this excuse. A lot of and like these guys are like probably guys professional are like, oh, f- Bigfoot guys. Right, they're Weird professional Bigfoot guys, like- but they're all also you you hear, you watch interviews with these guys, and they're the most inept at using technology, and it's we fucking insane. It. Right? Why why didn't you take a picture of it? God, Honestly, man, don't I know for, how to I use forgot. a camera. God, dude, I'm not gonna lie you? to you. Don't know how to use it. You know, I saw its tits, and I just, <laughs> I just but forgot. there is this interesting theory. That uh, I think it was like Astonishing Legends or maybe last podcast where I heard it, where they talk about this sort of aura or like phenomena around the supernatural that that it stops itself from being caught on camera. You, you think it's got I mean? like a like a magic veil? Yeah, like almost. Because like, like yeah, because yeah, it'll yeah, I guess like, like where it'll be like you go this? to record it and your camera fails, your batteries inexplicably die. Um, yeah, the SD cards are corrupted or whatever. That could that's be. more m- out there, I think. Sure, that's yeah. almost like a religious. Kind you, of, you'd have to like religiously yeah, yeah. look at it. Yeah, you just simply you know? believe that there's an unfound species of giant ape wandering the North American forests that hasn't been discovered in over a hundred years. I get yeah. that. And the thing, is, yeah, I do sure. because look, and that's then, not crazy. No, I don't think it is. Um, you know, the Native American people have been talking about this legend for years, for hundreds and hundreds of years. And often one of the biggest dismissals of Sasquatches or Bigfoot is, which I wholeheartedly, I understand, is that once it was reported, it kind of blew up and it became this fascination in, in continental U.S. during like the 70s and 80s. And everyone was seeing it everywhere. But their legends predate that by hundreds of years, way before you, there was any mention of Bigfoot. Don't you suppose that Native American legends, um, as with probably all religions, um, are more just cautionary tales and ways to live your life yeah, based on morals, definitely. less exactly fact-based things? Definitely. But also Native American religions are much different than most um modern religions that we think of well i understand that but generally humanity has a tendency to just use certain stories as mm -hmm. ways of not get dying i just yeah i don't know ultimately i I, don't go into the forest because a big scary thing is gonna kill you i just believe i I tend to believe more of their legends just because they were here long before any of us were and they know their land and i don't know i i I think think the the idea is entertaining and it's i guess i'm not entirely saying i understand though no i completely understand the criticism for sure i don't know you know why haven't we um why haven't we found remains why haven't we found um, any evidence whatsoever no not any evidence because there again there is evidence but it's also that it's the thing that we taught we talked about in the um in the gosh which one was it It was one of the warren case files where you don't bring you don't come forward with this stuff because if you're someone in those those fields and you say well i think i found evidence of this you're laughed Mm -hmm. at and it's it often comes more with negative connotations and and negative effects than actual desire to be like okay well let's see what this is you know I agree, but isn't it possible that's because it's never been good? Th- there have been there have been like hair samples that have been found that have been tested that don't match with any, you know, like 
known uh, creatures in the United States or in North America where, like, you know, Sasquatches are reported or whatever. Scat that has been found. These guys on their investigation found scat, but unfortunately they didn't pick it up and bring it for testing, which is, you know. One interesting thing to note is we did find a weird poop one time. Yeah. Poop is, you know, poop is full of evidence. Bacteria. Too bad these guys didn't know. Parasites. That's the thing is he literally is like, yeah, we were like, that's weird. We don't know what it is. And then he's like, we Yo, talked to Carl, check out this crazy ass poop. I he's just like, found. we talked to, we talked to people later and they're like, you fucking dumbass. You should have picked it up and brought it in for testing. You we were know, like, oh. one of the guys was like, watch this. And then took a shit. And then they were like, <laughs> Maybe. what a weird poop. And he's just like, yeah, this is wild. And Looks they're like, like, they were eating. They're like, is that corn? They're like, Dave, we, we know it's yours. We're. We're just saying, like, you should get your shit checked out, man. Like, that's not There's normal. A lot He's of like, blood in this. it's like a Bigfoot poop, huh? And they're like, it's a Bigfoot no, poop. No, yeah. Dave. It's 90% blood. You're not okay. <laughs> yeah, ooh, watch out for the Bigfoot. Uh. Dave, buddy. <laughs> Guys, what's happening to me? I've been eating cigarettes recently. Just. Once I finish so. them, I just. <clears throat> yeah. Mmm. That's where I get 90% of my calories. So, yeah, I don't know. I be- I'm, a, I'm a bit more of a believer in Bigfoot. I always really liked it as a kid. You are um, a believer. But I am. I am. Anyway, let's get into Jose, Mr. Valle's clarification time, shall we? Or is there anything else you'd like to say, Mason? Go ahead. No, I think, I, think the only, I think the best way to make any arguments about the non-existence of these things is the things you're probably about to say. It's more clarification about... Um, certain claims within the stories. So many of the claims, uh, many of the claimed murders and disappearances, they can't be backed up um, 100%. Um, So for instance, one of the reasons is because a lot of disappearances at the time were just lumped in with murders. So sometimes disappearances happened and they would just be like, um, when they, you know, released what are like this many murders, it would be like also disappearances were included in there. Which people disappear all the time in the woods. You know, it's a it's a yeah, thing that happens. Especially in a time that you could just up and leave. Um, like, but three another miles reason away and not be found. So this could be that a lot of you know a lot of them are just uh, rumors and stories and tales. But another big reason that Baxter goes into is that a lot of the documents from Chatham have been lost. So a lot of town records, aside from murders and stuff were lost unfortunately because of decay because they weren't properly stored because they weren't properly archived this happens not just with chatham but a lot of alaskan towns um so like he tried to look into one of them uh, one of the stories and he had to go through multiple levels and it wasn't even state archives it ended up being in like some local library somewhere else so you know what i mean like it's it's a mess like record keeping in alaska especially is a mess just because a lot of you know a lot of ouch Ouch, Jose! Harsh, <laughs> scathing. Well, and it happened with a lot. It happens with a lot of states that were territories, like New Mexico and whatever. That before they were territories, they weren't keeping track of anything. And then once I'm they became tell states, you said that. I'm gonna tell Cheyenne that you said that New Mexico it happened with Utah too. But before shit. they became states, they didn't keep records as well. And then when they were they gained statehood, it was required for them to keep records. So one of so that's you know just keep that in mind that a lot of these murders can be backed up. Um, the stories in of uh, of Andrew and Hamish, who was the prospector, those were dramatized, and Baxter admits that they were dramatized. 
Um, we do know that the pro this prospector did go missing. He was never named, though. Andrew Kamluck is a person who did go missing. Um, and uh, he was discovered to have been... to. So he was found dead near his logging operation. Um, it was said that he was struck with a large piece of logging equipment too heavy for a person to lift. And Andrew's family blamed his death on the Dantanak. Um, but he, Baxter, went looking for a death certificate and he could not find one. He even went to the Alaska State Archives in Juneau and he worked for several days with uh, people from the archives. Um, eventually, uh, they, did, they didn't find Kamlik's death certificate, but they did find a death certificate for Willie Anohonok, who drowned in Port Graham when he was, and Port Graham is about like nine miles away, who was 14 years old. Uh, the significance of Willie's death certificate is that it lists his place of birth as Portlock, and his father is listed as Andrew Kamluck. So we know Andrew Kamluck is a real person. His family, he actually talked to one of Kamluck's, like, what was it, like? Uh, great, great, greats. It wasn't even that many greats because this was in 1927. It was, like, his great niece or his grandniece or something like that. Who She told that, yeah, we, he did die. We know that he died. But, again, because of record keeping, there's no official death certificate. Um, so, but we at least know that he does exist. It puts him in the right place at the right time. Um, and yeah, Baxter goes on to say rural record keeping in small rural communities in Alaska has never been that reliable and events that occurred before statehood and mandated record keeping can be difficult, if not impossible to, f to find. He says, chances are that there is a death certificate out there somewhere tucked in between the pages of a family Bible or in the archives of a village church or a city hall. Um, um, he then goes on to say the tale of Hamish, which is the prospector is based on real life, unnamed prospector who did venture into the wild surrounding Port Chatham, never to return, but we don't know his name or what happened to him. Um, uh, and also another clarification that he makes is locals say that sheep hunters who went up into the hills to hunt the sheep never returned. But no firm dates or names are ever given when the hunters are discussed. It's unknown if it was a group of hunters or multiple instances of lone hunters who met their end in Port Chatham. A number of articles that were published on Port Chatham mentioned that bodies would wash into a nearby lagoon and were mutilated in a way that a bear would not do. This is often attributed to being the bodies of hunters, but no real details are given. So that's clarification, right? Another clarification. One of the main sources that we used was an interview of Melania Kel, where she was this elder of this nearby native community, and she kind of just spilled the beans on it all and gave her reason, you know, what she remembers from her childhood and what she's been told of why people abandoned the town. And she went on to name the Nantanak as one of the reasons she told of the lady in black. Melania's cousin, cousin, because I can't, you know, I'm doing quotations here because I don't know if it's if it's really her cousin or not, if she's just claiming to be her cousin. So when Melania did her um interview she did it in her native tongue and she had this uh translator sally ash who claims to be her cousin uh she claims that in an, in a later article that was written that melania made up everything as a prank to get people to leave the area alone because the area is still very um sacred to the natives and they don't want people poking around there and so melania had had enough and she made this all everything that she said she made it up but she said that she didn't speak out and say anything in that interview because she didn't want to disrespect her cousin. But this has not been proven. 
we don't know if this woman is actually related to her or if she's someone that's going, well, I want a piece of this as well. So I'm going to say that, yeah, that girl made everything up, right? Gotcha. Um, the official reason for the town being abandoned may actually be because, again, the resources are still there. But there was a fire that destroyed the cannery and the sawmill. And no. the company who owned the cannery was had bought another one in Washington. And around this time, there was a lot of legislation that was banning the use of fish traps. So it's possible that after the not the resources dried up, but the the way to mat to you know to to do anything with with the resources had become yeah, no no company meant no jobs right no jobs and so leave, yeah. it seems that perhaps after the burnt the fire that destroyed the sawmill and the cannery the cannery company just decided to cut their losses and they were gonna have to change things up anyway so they decided oh fuck it we'll just go down to washington and we'll keep that one and the sawmill was never rebuilt so the big my theory that as to why i believe that people left is because of that i think the resources didn't dry up but the industry did like i mentioned it up top yeah. Their main source of the economy seemed to have been the sawmill operations. So right. once the sawmill leaves and, and you don't have seem, enough money to start a new one, yeah, you might as well seem, leave. Right? I mean, they've got the resources, but it doesn't seem so abundantly rich in resource that, yeah, it was necessarily worth a yeah. and, bunch of money. And like nowadays, like the mines are still there and you could, you could, they could still, thank God they haven't, but you could still go and mine. Like the resources are there now that we could make something prosperous Let's go, again. We should go into those mines. Yeah. <laughs> so the um, also the uh, account of the postman can be backed up. I can't. There, there was a postman that did live there for a year, but whether or not he actually said those things is kind of up in the air. There's again not a lot of record keeping in this town, which is which helps add to the legend, but also makes it hard when you're actually trying to. Yeah. So that's kind of the clarifications of the story. It's interesting. It seems that it's this town that unfortunately fell prey to what happens to a lot of towns in early industrial America and these stories sprang up whether or not any of them so the story of Andrew and the prospector they are dramatized we know they happen but they are dramatized the story of Tom and Sergius those come directly from them so those were not dramatized um, but you know it's kind of like a who knows with this town I think a lot of it might be bullshit uh, I think a lot of it might not be it's a Who mystery. Um, the one thing that is interesting, though, is I stumbled on this article that made a very interesting point. Um, I'm trying to f see where it was. So this there's this this website um, where the, the called unfakely, and one of the writers on there did an article about it. Um, but he talked about how there was two uh, native settlements nearby. And one of the things was that after the people, you know, the um, uh, the white settlers left after the industry dried up, the a lot of the natives were employed by the cannery and the sawmill. But the difference between them was the natives, they didn't depend on those industries as much as the white folk did, right? Because they had been living there on that land forever. So, yeah, whatever the cannery sure. closes, whatever, they can continue to live as they did previously but right. afterwards and I'm, I'm definitely going to slaughter these names Aksulayik as well as Tokakvlik Tokakvik were abandoned just like Port Chatham now this is interesting because 
for the people who left Port Chatham, they had reason. The Alouette people or the, you know, the natives, they didn't have as many reason. And so it's interesting that they also abandoned their towns uh, which and their communities that were fine by all accounts. It could be that, yeah, you know, maybe they decided, well, these people are moving, we should move too. But we know that the area is sacred to them. So it is very interesting. And a lot of, yeah, a lot of the people, the natives will tell you that the area has a sort of evil presence and that you should stay away from it. But gotcha. who knows? Not Port me. Lock slash Port Chatham, a very interesting tale in Chatham. the spooky, in Chatham, in the spookiness. Um, it's a fun one. I think it's very fun. It is um, fun. But unfortunately, I do think it kind of falls apart when you try to do any sort of actual research into it. But I'm not here to say that Larry Bean's Baxter is wrong. Go read That's his true. book. You decide for yourself. I will give him credit for being... We're just asking questions. I give him credit for being one of the only ones that actually fucking wrote a book on it um, and actually gave history of the town. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just straight up like... Because a lot of the other ones were just like fiction books about it. Anyway. Well, with that, it's time to wrap the show up, Mason. If you like the show, make sure to leave a five-star review, which you can do in-app on Apple Podcast, Audible, or Podchaser. We'd really appreciate it if you leave us a review, plus it really helps the show, and we'll read your review on the show. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash captainslogcast and donate a dollar. Anything helps keep the lights on. Another thing you could do to help yourself and the show is go over to TeePublic and shop our merch. It's the holidays right now. They're going to be doing Black Friday here pretty soon. Uh, you can get anything from t-shirts to mugs with our logo and designs on it. Remember, if you donate slash support our sponsors, it all goes towards improving the show, getting better recording equipment, etc. Mason, where can the fine listeners find you? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Mason Schrader. Uh, that's that's it. That's it. I I put an Instagram post up. Yes, you did, and it did all right. I got a lot of followers. I didn't get a lot, but I got a, a surprising amount of followers from it. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, nice. I was surprised. I didn't think anybody was gonna like. I showed it. it off to all my friends. Oh yeah, I put it on my story. I don't know if you saw. I it. didn't see that. I was like, look I at this guy. I don't use social media. I was like, look often. at this guy, man. Proud of this guy. Yeah. And my, my, my friends were like, holy shit. Mm. I was like, yeah. 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 Ask him if my voice matches my face now. I will because ask him that, thing actually. Yeah. I've heard. I will ask him that. A lot if it is that now, my yeah. voice doesn't match my appearance. And mm -hmm. I don't know how to feel about that because I think it does. Yeah. Well, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at j.vaya underscore junior and the show on Twitter and Instagram at Captain's Log Pod. We recommend various different materials on there, post show updates, post some occasionally funny things, so go check it out. You can also subscribe on YouTube, where you can find me as Jose Valle Jr., Animal Productions, and of course the show's official YouTube channel, Captain's Log. If you can't get enough of me, you can also listen to my other podcast with friend of the log, Max Benyon, called Max and Jose. Have something to say. Make sure to tell your friends and family about the show if you enjoy it. And if you'd like to share your opinion on these cases... Or if you believe or don't believe the story of Port Chatham, uh, please share with us by writing into captainslogcast at gmail.com. You can also suggest episode topics, guests you'd like to have back. Make sure to subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, and any other podcast directory. 
Thank you to Carlos Rivera for composing our show's theme. With that, everybody, we have reached the end of our show. We will see you soon for another special episode. I've been your captain, Jose Valle Jr., joined by... Mason Turkey Time Schrader. And this has been Captain's Log. And Happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving, everybody! An end of transmission. Gobble, 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 gobble. Ah, we ah, both did it! Wild. <laughs>